You're about to hear Anthology Season 2, Volume 5, here on 106.9 Tune FM. Tonight, we're looking ahead to 2020, what's going on in Sydney, Melbourne, Armidale, and around Australia in theatre next year. We've got some bonus movie talk with Ben, of course. We've got our usual movie reviews. We're going to be talking about The Nutcracker. We're going to be talking about The Beauty of Queen Lenane. Uh, we've got The Addams Family. We've got Kingsman, The Secret Service. And, of course, at the end of the show tonight, we're going to be announcing the nominees for the inaugural Ant Awards, our, uh, I guess, our Listener's Choice Awards for uh, the best theatre in Armadale of the year. So stay tuned for the nominees and how you can vote and get involved in that. So as we wind down 2019 and the end of the decade, stay tuned for Anthology Season 2, Volume 5, up next, right after this song.
Sugar by Peking Duck. You're listening to Anthology Season 2, Volume 5. It's a nice, quiet one tonight. I'm just here in the studio by myself. I'm going to be joined by Ben a little bit later on. And uh, we're starting to wind down 2019, so it's going to be a nice, quiet run out to the end of the year. We've got three more volumes coming up uh, before the end of 2019. So just to give you a preview of exactly what's going on with the anthology, we've got tonight's episode, which is mainly going to be about looking forward to 2020, uh, some of the big musicals that we've got coming to Australian stages, uh, and what's, of course, happening in Armadale as well. And uh, we're also going to announce the nominees for what I like to call the Anth Awards. They're uh, our Anthology Listeners' Choice Awards for the Best Armadale Theatre of the Year. Now, there's four categories that we've got three nominees in each category. The categories are Best uh, most creative original uh, production. We've got the best UNE production. We've got the best play and we've got the best musical. Uh, so there's three nominees in each of those categories and the nominees will be announced at the end of, end of tonight's show. And uh, there will be a post on our social media page uh, so that you can vote and get involved in that. But more on that later. Um Next week, uh, next Tuesday is actually, of course, Christmas Eve. We will be having a Christmas special, uh, which will be the announcement of uh, the winners of the Anth Awards, as well as, of course, some Christmas music and a load of uh, Christmassy fun. And then the last Tuesday of the year is, of course, New Year's Eve, and we'll be having a New Year's special where we're going to be counting down, uh, since it is the end of a decade, we're going to be counting down our top 20 uh, films of the decade with Ben uh, because we love to talk a little bit of film. And then we'll get back into all the serious anthology business when 2020 gets underway and we actually have a whole year's worth of theatre to look forward to. But for now, um, I will kick this episode off with a bit of theatre news. Uh, it's going to be pretty casual since I'm just here by myself until Ben rocks up a little bit later. But we'll, uh, we'll start off with uh, Sydney uh, and there is the beauty of Queen Lenane. Now, I'm just getting the details up on my screen here now. It's being rather slow. I don't know why. Uh, it is Sydney Theatre Company. Uh, they are, it's it's a Martin McDonough play. And um, if you don't know me, I'm a bit of a Martin McDonough fan. Now, it uh, closes on the 21st of December. So it closes this Saturday. It's on at the Rosalind Packer Theatre in Sydney. Uh, until this Saturday. And it's a Martin McDonough play that is, uh, if you don't know him, he's a bit of a black comedian sort of style, very dark kind of comedy. He's responsible for uh, Broadway and West End hits like The Pillow Man and The Lieutenant of Inishmore and such acclaimed films as In Bruges and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. So get along to that one if you're down Sydney way. Uh, it's It's likely to be an excellent night out. The next one I'm going to talk about if you are down in Sydney uh, is called Blue Christmas. Now, this one is uh, at the King's Cross Theatre. I've never known if it's pronounced King's Cross or King's X, but I assume it's King's Cross. King's Cross. Uh, King's Cross Theatre, they're ending their year with a double bill of new Australian plays. Uh, and it's, it's, it's called Blue Christmas Together. It's two plays, Good People by Katie Warner, who's responsible for A Prudent Man, if you know that one, and Shandy's Corner by Gretel Vella. Uh, and it's, uh, let me see, dates here. It runs until this Sunday, the 22nd of December at the King's Cross Theatre in Potts Point. And the last one that I'm going to talk about, now we've been talking a little bit about uh, this one because it is, of course, touring up 
uh, sort of in our direction towards Port Macquarie in the next uh, month or so. Uh, the Nutcracker is running at the Sydney Opera House still. Uh, it runs until the 18th of December. So that's actually, uh, by my calculations, tomorrow. Uh, so tickets may or may not be sold out. You might want to check that out if you haven't heard of it up until now. It's not at the Sydney Opera House. It is uh, the ultimate Christmas ballet in its most enchanting version. So check that out. So once again for Sydney, The Beauty of Queen Lenane ends this Saturday at the Roslyn Packer Theatre. Sydney Theatre Company always doing wonderful things down there. Uh, Blue Christmas at the King's Cross Theatre ends this Sunday. Uh, that is two Australian plays packed together in one awesome night. And The Nutcracker ends tomorrow at the Sydney Opera House. Moving down south, we're going to talk a little bit about Melbourne. Um, and I don't have a lot to tell you in terms of uh, shows that you should catch before they disappear. Uh, we have been mentioning over the last four volumes, Chicago, Kiss of the Spider Woman and Come From Away. I believe Kiss of the Spider Woman only has a couple of weeks to go. Come From Away is in its review uh, season as well, but I do believe they're running that for a few months. So uh, Chicago is coming up as well. Uh, if you haven't seen any of those three yet, I highly recommend you get your tickets. They're all wonderful musicals and you won't want to miss out on any of those. Um, so let's move it on up here to Armadale then. And we are, of course, counting down the days until Spring Awakening. By my calculations, it's 58 days until the opening of Spring Awakening at the showground. Uh, that is, of course, run by Little Fish Entertainment, who do fantastic stuff. They did Chicago at the end of 2018, which was fantastic. So uh, don't miss out on getting your tickets. They are on sale, um, and it will, of course, sell out very quickly. They make really good use of that showground pavilion down there as well. It's a fantastic and interesting uh, space to, to see some live theatre in. Um, some other things that are going on, if you are not familiar with what Favourite Shorts is, uh, Armadale Drama and Musical Society run a collection of short plays that are written, directed and acted in by locals. Uh, they previously were doing that every couple of years, but they've run it consecutively uh, in every year for the last, I believe, three years or so. And they're looking for submissions of short scripts at the moment. So if you consider yourself a bit of a writer, maybe you've already got a couple of scripts that are um, less than 15 minutes long, uh, kind of sitting around that you'd like to test out in front of an audience. Or maybe you just want to test out your uh, your writing skills and write something fresh uh, specifically for this. They are looking for submissions and you can uh, get those into, I believe it's being run by Benjamin Thorne and Margaret Sims, whose contact details should be available to you through the Armadale Drama and Musical Society Facebook page or through adms.org.au. Favourite Shorts is a fantastic opportunity, by the way, if you are just looking to get into any of those things, writing, directing or acting. Uh, it's a fantastic little bit of low commitment. There's still a few rehearsals, but low commitment necessary uh, kind of little expectation of, of, of high quality. It's, it's about getting together and, and showcasing what this community's got. So um, it's always a fantastic event. And I highly recommend that if you're looking to get into any or all of those fields that you uh, give that a shot. And the last thing that I'm going to talk about quickly in the Armadale kind of area before we uh, make a quick mention of some things uh, going on around the rest of the state 
uh, She Kills Monsters is being put on by the uh, Tamworth Dramatic Society. And it opens on the 11th of March next year at the Capitol Theatre in Tamworth. Now, it only runs for four no, sorry, five shows on four dates uh, between the 11th and 14th of March. Tickets go on sale on the 10th of January, but mark down your that the that date in your diary because you won't want to miss this one. It's a heartwarming comedy packed with action, wit, and a sizable nerd quotient. So you will not want to miss out on that one. I'm certainly keen, and I'm certainly hoping to be able to get along to that. It should be an excellent show. Time with Dramatic Society, always doing such wonderful stuff down there. And uh, She Kills Monsters will be no exception. So recapping again, we're on, the, on our countdown, 58 days until Spring Awakening at the showground. Favourite shorts are looking for submissions. You can find the details for that at adms.org.au. And lastly, She Kills Monsters opens in March at the Capitol Theatre in Tamworth. Tickets aren't on sale yet. They don't go on sale until early January, but uh, mark those dates down in your diary. Lastly, we're going to go down the coast is a bit of the focus at the moment. That's where uh, things seem to be going on at the moment. And we've got the switch in Port Macquarie. Now, for some reason, I seem to have lost the event page for this one. Let me just, I might have to go to another one just quickly while I um, try and, nope, here we go. it's just my computer is is a little bit outdated for this. The Switch is a live mystery adventure going on in Port Macquarie on the 23rd of January uh, and running until the 25th. There are six different sessions over the three dates. Uh, it's down in Port Macquarie. Tickets are, I believe, on sale. It's, it's essentially an exciting race against the clock as you and your friends compete against other participants to be the first to throw the switch. You, you meet at Rendezvous Coordinates in Port Macquarie, where you will meet the moderator. You've been selected to help with a secret government-funded experiment in preparation for dark times ahead for the human race. When the chips are down, how do we behave? If we don't have what we need to be comfortable, what happens to our morals? Do they go out the window in the name of self-interest? Or do we try to hang on to our perception of ourselves as good people? So it's a bit of an experimental kind of uh participation live mystery adventure going on down there in Port Macquarie. Sounds very interesting. I hope I'll be able to maybe have a bit of a road trip down there for that one. Uh, Philip Quast and Anne-Marie McDonald are on in Tamworth. Um, That is, let me just grab a date for you. This, I I need a new computer. If anyone can hook me up with a new computer, I uh, I would be most appreciative because... I apparently can't have many different tabs open at once. Uh, 22nd of February at the Capitol Theatre in Tamworth. Philip Quast with Anne-Marie McDonald at the piano. Uh, that is on sale as well by the looks of things. It's only one show, 8pm on the 22nd of February. Uh, and it is an intimate musical tale of extraordinary of an extraordinary life in the theatre. One of Australia's best loved and most internationally recognised performers, Philip Quast, accompanied by Anne-Marie McDonald on piano delighting you with an intimate musical tale of his extraordinary life in the theatre. So don't miss that one. Uh, They will sell out with it being only one show. So don't miss that. And the last one that I want to uh, quickly bring up for you is uh, going on down in Coffs Harbour. And it is called the Snow Queen's Aussie Freezing Show. Now it's on uh, in Coffs Harbour. I've... See, now I've got the Central Coast show. 
If you're in the Central Coast, it's on the 24th of January at the Art House in Wyong, but that was not the specific show I was looking for. Um, but I can tell you exactly what it is, and I'm sure you can find the Coffs Harbour show on your own. It's uh, You can step into a world of freezing fun with lots of interactive excitement, singing, dancing, and special characters. It's a great show for the children. There'll be magical falling snow, and it's presented by Young Stars 2, which are the team behind the Wizard of Oz interactive show that has done over 5,000 successful shows all around the world. So don't miss the Snow Queen's Aussie Freezing Show, which will be touring to Coffs Harbour. Uh, but of course, I have got the Central Coast show for some reason has popped up on my screen 24th of January uh, at 10.30 a.m. at the Art House in Wyong. Well, that just about wraps up all the theatre news at the moment. Now, as we've said, uh, Anthology is starting to wind down into 2020. Uh, and we've mentioned that we're going to have a Christmas special and a New Year's special just to keep everything rolling week by week as we head into the new year. But the new year is going to be a bit exciting as well. You might have wondered what happened to the radio plays. We had two wonderful radio plays that happened earlier this year, The Importance of Being Earnest and uh, Twelfth Night, of course. Well, they are continuing. We do have a couple of directors interested in putting some stuff on in 2020. Uh, So they are going to be returning in 2020 as well. And we're going to be talking a little bit later about what's going on around Armadale, including the radio plays and including uh, what's going on with ADMS, what's going on with uh, all of the other theatre societies, what's, uh, do we know what UNE is putting on, do we know uh, a little bit more about Spring Awakening perhaps, uh, what's going on right throughout Armadale for the year 2020 to herald in a new decade of wonderful theatre in this wonderful town. So you are listening to 106.9 Tune FM. I'll throw you to the music so that you uh, get a little bit uh, closer to uh, to hearing exactly what's going on. We are going to have a song from a musical next. Now, this uh, musical is coming up in Sydney, I believe. I'm just going to make sure that I'm right. Yes, it is in Sydney in 2020. And uh, it's based on uh, the wonderful work of Dolly Parton. Um, So this is from the musical 9 to 5. This is that cast's rendition of, you guessed it, 9 to 5. Apologies there. We seem to be having some sort of technical glitch with the iPad, thinking that Siri needs to get involved. We might come back to that song uh, next time. Instead, this is For You Blue by The Beatles, and I'll see if I can get that song working for the next song break. You're listening to Anthology here on 106.9 Tune FM. Be right back with you. Living in 
For You Blue by the Beatles. Apologies for the technical difficulties. We will try and play that uh, musical song in the next talk break. But for now, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, previewing 2020 in the big musical theatre productions that are going to be gracing Australian stages. And we're going to start off, of course, with Sydney. Uh, there's lots of great musicals coming to Sydney in 2020. We're going to give you a little bit of a preview of some of them, starting at the iconic Sydney Opera House. 2020 is seeing the arrival of a hit straight from West End, Six the Musical, which is a pop production about Henry VIII's six wives, as uh, well as it's it's a little bit interesting if you've listened to the soundtrack. It takes on a, a very uh, provocative kind of pop style. It was first presented by Cambridge University students at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival back in 2017, and it's since gone on to become a professional production in the West End as well. The reception has been uh, quite fascinatingly excellent. Uh, The original West End production was nominated for several What's On Stage and Olivier Awards. It won the What's On Stage Award for the Best Off West End Production uh, back when it was off West End. Uh, And it was nominated for five Laurence Olivier Awards, including Best Musical, Outstanding Achievement in Music, Best Actress in a Supporting Role in a Musical for nearly all of the female cast, uh, Best Costume Design and Best Theatre Choreographer. So uh, that's pretty excellent. And the Chicago Theatre Production won three Joseph Jefferson Equity Awards for Outstanding Production Large Musical, Outstanding Ensemble Performance in a Musical Review and Outstanding Music Direction. So so it uh, it's it's pretty exciting to see that it's a very interesting style to tell that particular story, and it's going to be quite a fascinating one indeed. So six the musical that will be arriving at the Sydney Opera House in I believe I haven't got a month for some reason. It just says 2020. Uh, let me see if I can find an opening date for you. It is on. I need to get better resources. Uh, It opens actually on the 4th of January, so you don't have to wait very long at all. It runs from the 4th of January to the 5th of March. Tickets are on sale now. Uh, Check out the, if you haven't heard of it, check out the the soundtrack on Spotify. I listened to it a little just last week actually, and I, I quite, I like it. I like it a lot. Let's move on to the Capitol Theatre in uh, Sydney, the old heritage listed uh, to, uh, theatre there that hosts most of their big name musicals alongside the lyric. The Capitol Theatre will be hosting, uh, it had School of Rock this year. Guess what it's getting in 2020? We've talk, I'll give you a hint, we've talked about it a little bit um, in the last week or so. Frozen the Musical is coming to Sydney uh, at the Capitol Theatre. It's from the producers of the uh, the group, that the producers that put on both The Lion King and Aladdin here in Australia. And it opens in July at the Capitol Theatre in Sydney. The 7th of July is opening night. Um, it, it's, I've heard good things. I haven't seen much of the stage production of Frozen, um, but some of the reviews of the Broadway production have said that the uh, set, the costume, and the special effects are uh, absolute gold, uh, and that there have been some incredible performances in those roles as well. So hopefully we'll get to see an amazing rendition of Frozen hitting Sydney in July 2020. Uh, Moving on, we 
would have played this uh, a song from this particular musical. We're moving on to the Lyric Theatre now. And uh, we would have played from 9 to 5 the musical, uh, which is going to be at the Lyric Theatre. Now, of course, the Lyric Theatre are hyping up for 2021 because they're hosting the Australian premiere of Hamilton there. But that's 2021. For 2020, they've got 9 to 5 opening in April. It's uh, Dolly Parton's Rip Roaring musical inspired by the hit film, which is based on her work. It's uh, It was a smash hit on West End, uh, and it won... Uh, an Oscar, a gr- the film won an Oscar. There's a Grammy and a ton- and it was a Tony Award nominated score, of course, by Dolly Parton herself. Um, it's a story based on the work of Dolly Parton, kind of in a similar vein to, say, a Mamma Mia, what Mamma Mia is to ABBA. Um, and it's it's got a pretty decent cast. Caroline O'Connor, Marina Pryor, Samantha Dodmaid, and Erin Clare involved in that. Uh, it will be playing at the Sydney Lyric Theatre from April 2020. If you don't know where the Lyric Theatre is, if you're not a Sydney cider, well, it's the one attached to the, uh, the Star Casino. And it will be, uh, th- that opens in April. The other thing that the Lyric have going on in... Um, 2020 is Shrek the Musical, which we talked about a week or so ago. It opens on New Year's Day. It only does run for just over a month. Starring Ben Minge as Shrek, uh, Lucy Durak as Princess Fiona, which is, I, I love that her surname is so close to Duloc. That's fantastic. Todd McKenney as Lord Farquaad and a special guest appearance by Marsha Hines as the dragon. It's playing from the 1st of January to the 9th of February at the Lyric Theatre. And it's going to be great to see everybody's favourite big green ogre on our Australian stages for the first time. For the first time? No, not for the first time. Uh, It's, of course, based on the Oscar-winning DreamWorks film, uh, bringing the hilarious story of everyone's favourite ogre to life on the stage. Uh, And the musical has a hit has had hit reviews as well, so it should be a fantastic production. The last one I want to bring to light for Sydney is uh, a bit of one, uh, one that's close to our Australian uh, hearts, uh, Brand New Day. Uh, it's an Australian musical uh, based on uh, the film that uh, became a bit of an Australian classic. It's going to be on at, correct me if I'm wrong, the ah yes the sydney festival in 2020 it's their it's its 30th anniversary tour and it's the world's first aboriginal stage musical telling the story of willie a teenager on a coming-of-age road trip in western australia and it's going to be produced by a collective of australia's biggest opera companies so that's going to be on at the sydney festival at the riverside theaters in Parramatta from january 16th it only runs to the first of february so don't miss out on getting tickets to that i highly recommend you check out the page for that production on at opera.org.au because it's going to be a fantastic show brand new day is a really uh, spectacular film and I've heard very good things about the musical as well. So don't miss a chance to see that because it does have a relatively short season. Well, that covers uh, Sydney just about. So just to, to recap, 
with uh, School of Rock kind of overlapping a little bit into the new year as well. We've got Six, the story of Henry VIII's Six Wives. We've got Frozen, of course, everyone knows Frozen. We've got Dolly Parton's Nine to Five. We've got Shrek and we've got Brand New Day, all coming to Sydney in 2020. It's a very exciting year coming right up and uh, it's going to be a load of fun. Now, I'm not sure if I have the guts to try and play this song on the the aux cable again because I'm not sure it appears not to be working. Oh, nope, we've got it. Okay, we are going to play this song now. This is 9 to 5 uh, from Dolly Parton's hit musical and we'll be right back with you here on 106.9 Tune FM's Anthology Volume 5.
out there for the taking Wish it was as simple as it sounds I swear to you, I'm gonna do it Grit my teeth and I'll get through it It's hard to see the upside when you're down Working nine to five became necessary When my husband Dick left me for his secretary Never worked before That was 9 to 5 from the musical 9 to 5, which, as you've probably guessed, uh, the music was written by Dolly Parton. Uh, you're listening to Anthology Season 2, Volume 5, here on 106.9 Tune FM, and we're going to do our movie talk section. Yes. Ben's in the studio. I am. I have an exceptionally sore throat, so forgive me if I sound rather quiet. We are back from the sunny, sunny shores of the Gold Coast. Well, well rested. Much, much fun was had. And now we're back to the daily grind. Hell yeah. Until Christmas, at least. That's true. We don't have long to wait. But no, um, Merry Christmas to you all. Yes, yes. Well, don't say that yet. We have a Christmas special to do. Still. Oh, that's a good point. Um, no, I'll take that back. I hope your Christmas is bad. <laughs> Until next week, we're not allowed to wish people a Merry Christmas. Exactly. Next week, I'll say I hope it's good, but for now, I hope it's the worst you've ever had. Oofed. Okay. Uh, moving on from that, um, Ben. Yes. We watched movies this week, surprisingly. As we did, yes. We so. managed to fit it into our busy schedule of hyper coasters and crapping ourselves. Yes. I didn't crap myself because, you know. I'm a roller coaster newbie. I was slightly terrified, but I had fun. Anyway, yes. We watched movies. Um, I watched, given that I didn't really rate Tarzan and Jane very favorably at all last week, um, I've decided to focus on a movie that... Is one of my, in my top 10 movies of all time. I picked Kingsman, The Secret Service, that came out in 2015, that was widely praised upon its release, and I think still holds to the test of time today. Excellent. What did you watch? I uh, treated myself earlier today to a cinema ticket to see the new Adams Family movie. Um, and you'll find out exactly what I thought of it in a very short amount of time, I suppose. But Ben, as, as is tradition, it seems, why don't you tell us a bit about Kingsman first? Okay, I'll start then. So Kingsman is, I guess, the breakout role of main ca- of lead Taron Egerton. Of course, a lot of you will know him as Elton John in Rocketman. But the movie stars Taron Egerton as Eggsy, a troubled teen that gets essentially, um, through a rather interesting series of events, chosen to be a candidate in a 
I guess, a tournament to determine who will be the next agent in a secret service organization based in the UK. Uh, other actors include Colin Firth, who plays his mentor, um, Samuel L. Jackson as a very memorable and hilarious villain. Probably the more, probably one of the more cartoonish roles we've seen. Mate, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. I nearly called him Mace Windu. Samuel L. Jackson in. Um, it has other cast members who, unfortunately, the names do slip my mind. The actor that played Merlin was tremendously funny. It had, um, and of course, Michael Caine played the spoiler alert. Um, traitorous head of the organization um, I will admit when I first saw this film back in 2015 I was actually on a date um, I know Mark Strong Mark, Mark Strong, Strong that's was it the, that's Merlin yeah. yeah he had a great performance um, I was actually on a date I know it's hard to believe but it happened and I went and saw Kingsman um, we were expect oh, I was at least expecting it to just be a very standard spy action movie and then when it started becoming rather comedic I was both surprised and ecstatic because I won't say it's a, quite a satirical or a parody movie of spy movies. I feel like that would be a bit too of a too much of a generalization. It's certainly not in the in the same league as say Airplane or Scary Movie or any of those. It's not designed to be a satirical parody movie. It is designed, I think, to be a spy movie with a comedic twist, and it is absolutely hilarious. The comedy is not too over the top, with an exception of, I guess, the climactic scene, which is a bit goofy. But I feel like the movie actually earns it. It builds up to it. Um, it is a the action is good the storyline is well done and the comedy is sprinkled through to make it to remain to leave it still realistic while making us laugh and I think that's a very very good um, mark of skill of course the director was Mark Vaughan um, who went on to direct Kingsman 2 and he's also heavily involved in the writing process for the third movie to come out I think next year anyways moving on to a bit more of a in, so moving on to the actual film itself the criticisms I have for this movie are actually quite few and far between. I think there is a scene where the, the the mentor getting killed off cliche does rear its head, although that is slightly retconned in the sequel by them bringing him back to life, so you could say that's a rather severe retcon. But um, that was um, pretty obvious that I could see that coming. Again, Samuel L. Jackson and Colin Firth play their roles masterfully. Samuel L. Jackson as a goofy, fashionable... Um, uh, flamboyant villain with a lisp is hilarious. Mark Strong is terrific, as I've said, and Taron Egerton has a tremendous performance as Eggsy. The soundtrack is memorable and quite um, impressive. You will certainly recognise the theme after you've heard it for the first time. The cinematography is well done. The action scenes in particular are exceptional, for my humble opinion. The visual effects, again, tremendous. The shots and the colours are wonderful. The acting, I can't think of a single bad performance. The only performance that I thought was slightly bland would be from the actress who played the princess. Um, the princess that is captured, the princess of Sweden, I believe it is. Um, and the plot itself, I think, is it leans a bit too, not necessarily over the top, but a bit unrealistic. But besides that, it's a very followable plot. It's a very, it you empathize with the main character well. It has a lot of social commentary, at least from what I can see. The crit I can't really think of any more criticism of the film. It doesn't quite top Imaginarum. But on a personal enjoyment level, I give it a 9 out of 10. Cinematography gets an 8 out of 10. Acting gets an 8 out of 10. Soundtrack gets a 9. Plot gets a 9. And I would definitely recommend it. The sequel, obviously, it came out 2017, I believe. 
I do. I think I don't think it quite lives up to the heights that Kingsman set, but I do think that it is very, very close. It's not a bad sequel by any stretch of the imagination. But staying back, getting back onto the first one, I thoroughly recommend it. I think it is an it is a fantastic movie. I think it is a breath of fresh air to spy movies and comedy movies in general. I can't recommend it enough. It's probably in my top three comedies of all time. So definitely go and watch it if you haven't already. It was spectacular. It now firmly belongs at number two on my list of five movies we've reviewed, just below Imaginarium, but above 300, K through 12, and Tarzan and Jane. I salute you, Matthew Vaughan, and I am very much looking forward to Kingsman 3, whether it is a prequel or a sequel, as I would prefer. To all of you involved, I salute you. It was tremendous, and I hope that the movie I review next week will be as good as this one. Wow. Very positive stuff. Exceptionally positive. positive. Tremendous movie. Wonderful. I know you have a slightly lesser opinion of the sequel, but the original I just think is near flawless. Yeah, I I feel it, not necessarily as a film the sequel let down the series more so. I think that there were – it did a bit of a Rian Johnson – what Rian Johnson yeah, did to uh, um, no, The Force fair. Awakens um, when he basically retconned a lot of things that were set up in The Force Awakens, what he did to The Last Jedi. No, but um yeah, I, I don't I don't criticize it so much as a film as a chapter in a franchise that I feel kind of retconned a lot of things that were set up in the first film. Okay. But I do like Matthew Vaughan's work actually. Um I believe he did the uh, did X-Men First Class. I believe so, yes. Yes, which is one of my remains one of my favorite X-Men films actually. Um it 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 was it was very well done. Um I do like his style as well. But moving on to your film <laughs> oh dear oh dear oh dear we continue our theme of one of us reviewing a good move and the other one getting stuck with garbage i got garbage last week and i think this time it's your turn how was I, the adams family jake okay i'm gonna be i i went in expecting garbage um for obvious reasons i don't i don't like remakes i don't like any of that sort of stuff and i think that the adams family is a very weak concept for um, a film deserving of a remake, but um, in the for for a split second in the first scene of the film, I thought I was going to be surprised because and this is this was the only shining light of this film. Oscar Isaac brings a little bit of something to Gomez, who is one of the characters I was worried wouldn't really translate into the animated medium very well. Because particularly because of the the outstanding performances of um, Raúl García in the um, original films, I, I thought that was one of the characters that would be the least interesting in an animated format. Oscar Isaac did a pretty good job amongst some pretty astonishingly bad um, writing and performances. <laughs> that for a brief moment in the first scene involving Gomez, I thought, you know what? Maybe I might be wrong about this. Were you wrong about this? No, no, I was not wrong at all. Look, I think my main thing that I had going in, and I did suspect this was going to be the case from the start, and I've, I'd spoken about with this with friends before, um, was that the appeal of, say, the Adams fit, and, and I know that the source material is there was comics before that, and I am not very familiar with the comics. I won't pretend to be, but. Regardless, the appeal of the original two Adams Family movies was the performances because the Adamses are not natural characters to play. So, for example, the perform the performances of Raúl García or Christina Ricci or Christopher Lloyd really stood out because they 
um, for example, Christina Ricci's performance was really charming as a 10-year-old psychopath. Um, her ability to pull off that role was quite spectacular. In an animated format, that doesn't have the same impact mm. because an expressionless psychopath is a very easy thing to animate and it doesn't give you a lot. Um, and I I think Wednesday is the perfect example of of why that didn't work because in this new version of The Addams Family, Chloe Grace Moretz plays Wednesday and I'm not going to say she did a bad job. I'm um, quite a fan of Chloe Grace Moretz as an actor. Yeah, I, I don't think she did a very bad job it just was that the character was very uninteresting so not as basically you can't really do much with what she had yeah she she had very little to work with in terms of wednesday is meant to be deliberately expressionless and bland she's meant to be very you know she doesn't express or emote and that's a hard thing to do when you're voice acting chloe grace moritz would be a strange actor to play someone bland and uninteresting you would have thought they would have gone with Kristen stewart Ooh, ooh, shots fired. No, it. she wasn't bad. I will say bad performance, Charlize Theron. Oh, um, okay. Was not very great as Morticia. I did not like this version of Morticia at all. Interesting that she's been nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress for a different film then. <laughs> well, you know, um, Kate, um, was it? No, it was um, Sandra Bullock won yes, a Razzie and an the Oscar, Razzie in, the and the Oscar in the same year. And considering the Razzies are on the night before the Oscars, it was a rather interesting 24 hours <laughs> for her, I can imagine. But, but yes, back to the Adams Family. Um, the other character that was particularly awful was Uncle Fester, um, whose characterization, I think they just... I, I think whoever decided on... Whoever made the creative decisions in creating this film didn't know what Fester... Oh dear. Was all about right, I see. what Fester's kind of goofy gimmick was. And what we got was a really stupid cartoon character that every time he came on screen, I was very upset. Gotcha. <laughs> as an Adams Family fan. But um, aside from that, aside from the fact that the Adams Family just does not translate on into an animated format very well. The film itself was a series. It, it had a it had a tendency to really play into cheap gimmicks. Um, there was some really cheap callbacks. They, they. I was about to say, was there a lot of fan service? There was fan service. There was they played the um, the original theme into the film in a very. It was very clear throughout the whole gag what they were trying to do. Um, it was a gag where Lurch was playing the organ and he was playing a series of different famous organ songs and um, it wasn't really very um, into it, any of those songs until he um, played a bunch of random chords, which turned out to be the Adam, Adams Family of song, course. which is the cheapest gimmick. As soon as it started happening, you could see it coming. It was really cheap fan service for the sake of really cheap fan service. But um, and th- and that happened a number of times. There was cheap callouts to characters from the comic strips and that sort of thing. It was it was not very good. Um, and I I have to say the other thing is say it the whoever wrote this film I think I'm not sure if they were trying to be Brechtian or trying to be smart or if they just don't know how films actually operate or work but the um the resolution of the climax was essentially non-existent oh dear there was that's certainly not good 
look, I, I will spoil it for you because I'm highly recommending that you don't go. Um, <laughs> yeah, essentially, the plot focuses around the Adams family frequently moving around um, because they get chased out of their home by mobs with pitchforks and torches. Um, and eventually, Gomez and Morticia find a place in New Jersey that used to be an old insane asylum, which becomes their house because they, they think they can they're far enough away from everybody that they can settle there they have kids they everybody grows up wednesday's lived in this house her whole life um uh this this new this i imagine those um makeover shows like the the home makeover shows oh yeah like a um, really cringy host of one of those makeover shows comes along and essentially what she's doing and this is a real plot point is she's building an entire town just cause but she hasn't sold any of the houses yet um because that's what you do and um so she's built this entire town and what she realizes is that um she's now got this uninterrupted view of this horrible looking house up on the hill that belongs to the adams family essentially it goes exactly how you'd expect the people in the nice town don't like the adams family they want to kick them out um mob comes up interrupts the Adams family's big family get together and the climax of the resolution is actually just um the Adams family essentially just walk outside kind of half defeated Wednesday kind of saves them all from being killed and the people have a change of heart um turn on this make extreme makeover lady and then the Adamses decide to be the better people and help the lady sell the rest of the houses in the town. Oh, my God. There was no instigating circumstances for that. There was no building of some sort of character traits that would suggest why that would be done or why any of that done. would... It was just done. And It doesn't sound like an interesting movie in the slightest, I Well, that say. that is the overwhelming feeling that I got by the end of it was um, I was completely uninterested. Uh, the only reason I was interested in any of the characters is because I'm quite familiar with the Adams family, and so I had those preconceived notions of what the characters were in the first place. If I if I came in and this was my first exposure to the Adams family, I'd be bored, yeah. bored out of my mind. There was no, there was nothing to it. There was really nothing to it. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was very bland and uninteresting. Um, and aside from it also had the opposite problem to the fan service as well in that it tried to be new and hip as well. Oh, Christ. Yeah, okay. And tried to do a whole heap of other things, including um, a very jarring credits sequence. The aesthetic style of the credits sequence suddenly jarred from um, a sing-along of the Adams Family theme song in a very uh, monochrome aesthetic style, which suddenly jarred into a pop version of a song with colorful neon a colorful neon palette in the main credits oh god um which was extraordinarily jarring and and that kind of jarringness happened a couple of times like they slipped the word lit into the into the movie there were all just these really jarring moments of it doesn't know when it's supposed to be set it doesn't know what tone it's going for well it, it it's like it it both wanted to be the original Adams family, but be hip and new and updated at the same time. And it tried way too hard to be both. There was just really cringy fan service and, and really cringy attempts to update the, the references. And it was, 
it was in the end. Um, yeah, like I said, I I was completely bored. I had no interest in any of the conflict or climax. I was even more disappointed when I found out that all that conflict and climax had led to a complete anticlimax of an ending. Complete, yeah, so there was no reason in in the end for the movie to even exist. Well, there was there was no reason for any of this to have happened. It just felt like it was not worth the eleven dollar yeah. ticket price. Then no, no, not worth the eleven dollar ticket price at all. So in the end, the Adams family has um, maybe rather controversially uh, managed to uproot Charlie's Angels. Oh, you from, were very negative about Charlie's Angels. Uh, it is it has uprooted Charlie's Angels from the bottom wow. of the um, to to sit in fifth in my movies so far. The reason for that is I think Charlie's Angels had some merits as a film. I was mainly critical of it because it tried to um, pander to a particular political right move, message yep political message and movement and then completely failed to uh, really get the point of that movement um but it had some merit as a film while i feel the adams family really really missed the mark in a lot of ways in terms of storytelling and just the general concept i mean the adams okay. family doesn't work as an animated film it, and it should be fairly self-explanatory why it just you can't it's not interesting we've all watched looney tunes it's not interesting to see wednesday try to guillotine her brother to death because (laughs) we've seen it a million times on wiley coyote and the roadrunner it was funny when it was christina ricci an actual 10 year old girl you know playing with an electric chair that's funny that's that's a gimmick um the one thing i will say for it pugsley's character actually had some point I, I felt like Pugsley was a very undervalued character in the um, in the original two films, and and in this, he does get a little bit of a story arc in in this film. But that's good. Yes. Other than that, I was completely bored out of my mind, and I'm hoping that when I go to the cinemas next, uh, that will not be the case again. So Charlie's Angels, I remember for you scored a four out of ten, a very generous four out of ten. You said, what would you rate? Um, the Adams family. I'm looking at a at a two and a half. Um, two and a half. Two and a half. I don't see. I'm always very cautious of um, hyperbole. Either way, I don't like giving films either tens or zeros because yes, of because then that implies that there can't possibly be anything better or anything worse. Um, so I, I give it a few mark. I give it probably one mark for a slightly surprising Oscar Isaac performance and giving Pugsley some some credit as a character and then one and a half marks because I kind of want to push it a little further away from a zero in case I see something completely awful. Okay, that's fair. Well, I don't know if this, so just to obviously, I guess, spoil what will be revealed next week or reviewed next week, myself and yourself will be at the at different points over the next week going to see Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker in Here's theaters. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think we're going to be reviewing it in different episodes. Ooh, okay. So that'll be interesting because you'll hear my ver- my thoughts on it next week and then everyone will be able to hear yours the following week. Well, next week I'm going to be reviewing, and this will be controversial if you're a Star Wars fan because I'm reviewing a Rian Johnson movie. Ooh, um, Knives Out, I believe. Knives Out. I'm going to see Knives Out uh, later this week, uh, which I will pre-record for our Christmas episode. Yes. And then for our New Year's episode this weekend, I'm going to see The Rise of Skywalker. And then I will be doing the... Rise of Skywalker for a Christmas episode, and I will say, um, early critic, early reactions from test screenings and audience screenings have been trickling in. 
unlike The Last Jedi, where it was fairly polarizing off the bat, everything I've seen so far for Rise of Skywalker has been very, very positive, Ooh. which has me excited. Maybe, maybe some um, redemption for this trilogy then. If J.J. Ab- if J. J. Abrams can pull this back from the pits of hell that was The Last Jedi, he will earn my respect. If he butchers it, he will be forever known as Jar Jar Abrams for the rest of his natural life. Oh, oh that's, that's a threat. <laughs> That's a real threat, too. Yes, exactly. So next week, tune in for uh, my review of Knives Out and Ben's review of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. I'll be reviewing that um, the week after. All right. Well, I've been talking for a little while. That's got me back on uh, some close to being on time because I talked for... I managed to get through the theatre news and everything a little bit quickly. Well, that's um, good. I'm pleased I can provide you with insight, discussion, and someone to bounce off of. Absolutely. Well, I am looking at the wrong spreadsheet. Uh, now that's we're going to... you're an idiot. Yep. We are going to go back into another song, and then we'll be right back with you. I'm going to be talking about Melbourne next, uh, all of the musicals that are coming to the Melbourne stages in 2020. Uh, coming up for the rest of the show, of course, we're going to be talking a little bit about Armadale's uh, 2020 season, including what uh, you can expect from ADMS, what you can expect from Little Fish, what you can expect from all of the other groups around Armadale, as well as um, a little bit of a sneak preview into what we've got planned for radio next year. Ooh. And um, then, just before we go at nine o'clock, we're going to be announcing the nominees for the inaugural Anth Awards. We have four categories, and we have three nominees in each category, and you can vote for the winner, which will be announced in next week's episode. Neat. There you go. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. This is Anthology Season 2, Volume 5, and I'll be right back with you after this quick song.
Goodbye, Earl. By the Dixie Chicks, you're listening to Anthology Season 2, Volume 5, here on 106.9 Tune FM. We're going to be uh, previewing a little bit of some of the major productions coming to Australia in 2020, since we're so close to the beginning of a new decade, and we've talked about Sydney. We're going to move on to Melbourne. Now, some of them are the same. For example, Six, the musical, is coming to Melbourne as well a little bit later in the year. But I, I've tried to pick a few that are a little bit more unique. For example, if you missed Alice in Wonderland, uh, it's back by popular demand. It's only doing a few shows. It's on the 17th and 18th of January. Now it's doing three shows each day. So six shows in total on the 17th and 18th of January at the Athenium Theatre uh, in Melbourne. Tickets will sell out very fast because it was a very popular show while it was there. So if you uh, did miss out on that one, it's a fantastic production of the uh, famous tale, one of literature's most beloved tales in her adventure in Alice's Wonders, uh, Alice's Wonders Through Adventureland. I'm doing really well tonight. Uh, this is why I have guests because they normally you know, dilute the stupidity a little bit. Um, this is Alice in her adventures through Wonderland. In uh, it's what it's a dazzling, internationally acclaimed uh, production of uh, the beloved tale. So once again, seventeenth and eighteenth of January at the Athenium Theatre. Uh, On to one that's uh, lasting a little bit longer than that. Chicago is uh, coming to Melbourne as well. It's going to be at the Arts Centre Melbourne. Uh, in, in on St Kilda Road, sorry, uh, and it is opening. It has opened actually, 14th of December, and it runs until the 21st of February. So that's a great way to kick off your year. Of course, Chicago, a fabulous musical, um, that will be running until February. There, it's uh, got the uh, choreography skills of Bob Fosse, and um, some. It's. A fantastic musical. If you if you somehow have been living under a rock and haven't heard of it, it's uh, won six Tony Awards, two Olivier Awards, a Grammy, and of course it's uh, played all over the world to fantastic critical acclaim and is widely considered one of the best musicals of all time. So uh, don't miss out on that if you are living down that way at the moment. Uh, let's move on to one that's a little bit more uh, niche. Margaret Fulton, the musical. Uh, it's being put by, on by the Victorian Opera. It's based on Margaret Fulton's best-selling autobiography, and it is coming to Melbourne in September 2020. Uh, it, as Australia's first culinary queen, Margaret Fulton uh, was in everybody's kitchen. She taught a growing nation how to cook. She uh, taught everyone quiches and scones to nasi goreng and creme brulee. And... Um, her recipes really revolutionized Australia's palate. And this is a musical based on the best-selling autobiography, I Sang for My Supper, Memories of a Food Writer. And it brings her inspiring true story to the stage. It only lasts for a very short period of time in Melbourne. It opens on the 15th of September and runs until the 19th for only six shows um so make sure you don't miss out on that because it's going to be a fantastic I, I love going to australian um australian musicals as well because while it's great when we're you know we're getting hamilton in 2021 i went to see book of mormon all that sort of stuff is great when we get to see the really big ones do a tour of australia as well um one of the ones that surprised me the most has been muriel's wedding i think 
Muriel's wedding was my favorite as an experience to go to. Um, I love the fact that we here in Australia produce great musicals as well. And um, make sure you don't miss out on Margaret Fulton, the musical at the Arts Centre Melbourne Playhouse uh, from the 15th to the 19th of September next year. Mark that down so that you don't miss out. One more uh, mention of one that has been playing in Sydney, I believe, uh, and is now moving on to Melbourne, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, which is headed down there. For some reason, their webpage hasn't loaded. Her Majesty's Theatre, I know that. Here we go. Um, I think it's like a Flash website, so it's being a bit slow. Uh, it is at Her Majesty's Theatre at the moment. In fact, it opens tomorrow, I believe, on the 18th of December. That appears to be correct. Um, no, sorry. It's just not showing any previous dates. For, forget about me. Don't listen to me. Uh, it is open in Melbourne at the moment and it runs into the new year as well. It got great reviews while it was in Sydney. So head on down to Her Majesty's Theatre in Melbourne for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the new musical based on, of course, the uh, wonderful Roald Dahl novel and all of the various movie spin-offs and that sort of thing that have come from that. It is, I believe, planning on going to Brisbane as well. I've just clicked the Brisbane link. And yes, it is going to be at the Lyric Theatre at QPAC from March. Before, uh, yes, that's that's all I've got announced at the moment. There's potential for it to go elsewhere as well because it was quite popular in Sydney. So reflecting on what's coming up in Melbourne next year, once again, Alice in Wonderland is back by popular demand uh, only for a very limited season. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory has already made its way down to you guys from Sydney. Uh, don't miss that because it only lasts until at this stage. They've only got shows until the end of January. Chicago is also already playing down there and it will run into the new year as well. And Margaret Fulton, the musical opens in September. Of course, all of the uh, usual stuff like six will be coming to Melbourne as well, because let's be honest, you guys are just as big and important as Sydney when it comes to theater. Now, uh, for the rest of the show, uh, coming up very soon, we're going to be having a big in-depth conversation about Armadale because that's where we are. And uh, we're going to be talking about ADMS's new season, which has been fully announced, uh, minus a few details that I'm sure they will work out with uh, admin and everything there. Uh, we'll be talking about Little Fish, who have tickets on sale for Spring Awakening, which is early next year as well. We'll be talking about uh, what else we know about what Armadale and Tamworth and the likes are doing with their 2020 seasons. And we'll be talking about uh, Radio Theatre, which is returning in 2020 uh, with some potentially quite very exciting proposals being put up. And then, of course, make sure you stay tuned as we announce the Anth Award nominees uh, and tell you how you can vote uh, for your winners of the best pieces of Armadale Theatre of 2019. You're listening to Anthology Season 2, Volume 5 here on 106.9 Tune FM. We're running ahead of schedule as well. Isn't that wonderful? I might be able to get home and have a bit of early dinner. Uh, in the meantime, here's a nice bit of song while I go grab a bit of water. This is Human Touch by Bruce Springsteen. Hopefully, I'll be able to talk when I get back. You and me, we were the pretenders. We let it all slip away. 
Human Touch by Bruce Springsteen. You're listening to Anthology Season 2, Volume 5 here on 106.9 Tune FM. Uh, I'm going to go back to a little bit of a musical theatre update uh, for the rest of the country before we focus in on Armadale for our last little segment previewing 2020 in theatre. Uh, first of all, the Book of Mormon, it seems like it's been touring Australia forever. Well, it's currently playing in Perth and it's going to be returning uh, to Brisbane for a return season in January 2020. And then it's going to head off to Auckland in New Zealand after that. What else is going on? Will Come From Away is still playing at the Comedy Theatre in Melbourne until February 2020. Uh, West Side Story, uh, it's not 2020, but I do quickly uh, have to give them a shout out because they just recently closed in Adelaide. Um, Billy Elliot, after it finishes at the Lyric Theatre, which I believe it is about to do. It's been playing there since October. It's off to Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane and Adelaide as well, which has been announced. Waitress, the musical, will be opening in Sydney in 2020, uh, as well as uh, Brand Brand New Day, which we did mention. After it opens in Sydney, it has announced that it plans to go to Perth, Melbourne, Brisbane, Canberra, and Adelaide as well. Also, uh, since it is the start of the decade, don't forget to get hyped up because Hamilton begins at the Sydney Lyric Theatre in March 2021, which is uh, very, very closely sneaking up on us. And Moulin Rouge uh, is opening at the Regent Theatre in Melbourne in 2021 as well. So those two very exciting productions uh, sneaking up on us as well. But let's go to Armadale. Now, uh, there's not a whole lot to uh, officially announce just yet because a lot of uh, our not to disparage them, but smaller uh, production companies and theater theater companies are kind of holding off until they're certain whether they can, uh, whether they will be putting anything on or what specifically they'll be putting on. But of course, we do have the Armadale Drama and Musical Society who have announced their full 2020 calendar. Uh, that will kick off with Favorite Shorts 2020. Favorite Shorts is, of course, we mentioned earlier, their festival of short plays written directed and acted in by locals. They haven't confirmed a venue yet, but it will be on in March 2020. They are looking for submissions of short scripts. And of course, when the time comes, they will be having auditions and will be seeking directors as well. Uh, it is going to be produced by Benjamin Thorne and Margaret Sims, who have gracefully, uh, graciously sorry, picked it up after uh, the producer, Diana Helmerich, who did such a fantastic job with it. Um, left at the end of the 2019 production but it's fantastic to see that it has it will continue and uh such a wonderful program will be picked up again in 2020 of course they do their major major musical in every year and who would have guessed that they're going to be doing mamma mia uh on from july 10th to the 25th uh, which is to be fully confirmed, but those are the dates that they've got penned in at the moment. It will be, of course, at the Taz Hoskins Centre, directed by the wonderful Neil Horton with musical direction by Liz Smith. Um, that's going to be a fantastic production, Mamma Mia. The rights have just become available. It's going to be great to see a whole bunch of amateur productions of it throughout the state, which have already really begun. We've seen it in Glen Innes. There was a few places while Ben and I were up in Queensland that were putting it on at the time as well. So it's uh, it's going to be going on. You're going to hear a lot of ABBA going on in 2020. So uh, mark those dates down. July 10th to 25th are the tentative dates for ADMS's Mamma Mia. 
Their play that they're putting on, they always put on a play around October as well. That is Little Gem by Elaine Murphy, which is being directed by Mark Bourne. That will be at the Taz Hoskins at some point in October. There will be more details about that a little bit closer to that date. Uh, But keep your eyes out if you're looking to get involved in a comedy slash drama, which should be an excellent one. And then lastly, they've announced Forever versus No Tomorrow, which is a play. Dates and venue to be confirmed, and it's written by local Graham Patterson. So there will be more details coming out about that as well but graham patterson did a wonderful production i believe in 2018 of uh short plays and poetry which was very well received so forever versus no tomorrow will be one to keep an eye out for as well i expect that dates will be announced uh from adms's end at some point for that now uh the one that we do have quite a bit of detail about because tickets are already on sale. Little Fish's production of Spring Awakening. Now, you might remember towards the end of 2018, Little Fish put on Chicago at the Armadale Showground Pavilion, which was a wonderful show, which uh, I, as far as I remember, pretty much sold out uh, simply because of how absolutely brilliant it was. And Spring Awakening is their second uh, major musical production that they've put on. And it will be opening on the 13th of February and running until the 22nd. There are eight shows uh, and it will, tickets are on sale. Uh, The link to the Tri Booking website to get your tickets is on the Facebook event. Just look up Spring Awakening the Musical or get there through Little Fish Entertainment on Facebook as well. Uh, Spring Awakening is the winner of eight Tony Awards, including Best Musical, and it's one of the most evocative scores written this century and explores the journey from adolescence to adulthood with a poignancy and passion that is illuminating and unforgettable. So that is directed and produced by Sarah Watson and choreographed by Melissa Killen, who always does a fantastic job as well. Uh, Performances, as I've said, February 13 to 22. So pick a date and book your tickets now because they'll sell quickly. And it is, of course, once again, in the fabulous venue that is the Armadale Showground Pavilion. What else is going on around the place in uh, 2020? Tamworth Dramatic Society, of course, announcing uh, She Kills Monsters, which will be coming up in March. We mentioned that earlier in the show. You won't want to miss out on tickets there. Tamworth, the Tamworth Musical Society are also doing Mamma Mia. Uh, so if you'd like to see their production, that will be coming up early in the year as well. Tamworth is not too far a drive away and they do have the wonderful Capitol Theatre down there, which has always got something great going on. So make sure you don't just limit yourself to Armadale either because it's um, it's going to be a, a fantastic uh, season for Tamworth as well. And it's not too far a drive if you're looking for some great theatre. Keep an eye on uh, some other groups like Veracity Theatre Company, like High Country Theatre. Uh, they tend to put on some great stuff as well. High Country were responsible for Jack and the Beanstalk this year. Veracity did take a break this year, but in 2018 they were responsible for Cozzy. Um, and they, I, I am sure, have things in the pipeline for the future. And we'll see if they have anything in 2020. So keep an eye on their Facebook pages and websites for more information. If you're looking for some theatre to watch, of course, all of our local schools put on musicals. There'll be plenty of stuff going on here at the university, including the university production a little bit later in the year. 333s will be a little bit later in the year. And of course, you can check out all the student productions throughout the year when they begin again in trimester one. Uh, And there'll be plenty going on here on Tune FM as well. You might remember that a little bit earlier in the year, we uh, were talking, uh, we had a 
the importance of being earnest by Oscar Wilde, which was uh, quite a big success. And we followed it up with Twelfth Night. Um, they, they were an interesting experiment and they, they certainly turned out probably better than I ever expected they would. And so we have decided that we're going to uh, do something similar again. And we do have a couple of directors who are interested in putting on some pretty interesting stuff, uh, potentially three directors lining up to uh, put something on in 2020. So keep an eye on our Facebook page as well, because we will hopefully have some radio productions going on throughout the year. I'm hoping around maybe April would be a good time for our first one, if we can get things organized in time for that, uh, there will be auditions for that as well. But there's plenty of stuff going on, so make sure you don't uh, stay under your your rock. Keep an eye on uh, Facebook pages. The Armadale Theatre Lovers Association is a great Facebook page that plugs uh, quite a lot of the theatre going on around Armadale and surrounds, including Tamworth and that sort of thing. So it's a good place to keep an eye on if you just want to have a broad look and see if there's anything you can possibly catch on the weekend. If not, um, Armadale Drama and Musical Society, Little Fish Entertainment, High Country Theatre, Veracity Theatre Company. Uh, there's loads of others as well. Just ask around and uh, you'll find plenty of great production companies who are putting on some wonderful stuff here in Armadale and in plenty of interesting ways as well. So 2020, it's going to be very exciting. And as we've said with Anthology, as we wind out the last two, we'll have the last two Anthology episodes of the decade, which is a scary thing to think about. Uh, next week's Christmas special will be the announcement of the winners of the Anth Awards. We're about to announce the nominees coming up after another song. Um, but as well as that, we're going to have a New Year's special where Ben and I are going to be counting down our top 20 films of the decade. We've been, we are big fans of film Ben and I, as you can probably tell through our reviews. And uh, he and I are going to be having a bit of a chill episode of Anthology. Most of these, these last three episodes are, are pretty, pretty laid back. Everyone's kind of away on their Christmas holidays, so it's a bit hard to get guests and everything. And there's not a whole lot... Um, to plug since everyone's all the theater companies are kind of winding down for the Christmas and New Year break as well. So it's good to be able to have these these kinds of episodes where we uh, just chill and talk about some stuff. But yes, Armadale in theater is going to be very exciting in 2020. Well, we are going to go to another song. This is uh, from another musical that you might, um, I would dare say you've probably heard of. And it's not working. <laughs> the Ox Cable is having some uh, some troubles today, I think. Oh, here we go. Nope. Yes, maybe. Nope. Yes. All right. We are going to play a song from The Wizard of Oz here on 106.9 Tune FM's anthology. After this song, we will be... Uh, announcing the nominees of the Anth Awards and how you can vote for your winners, which will be announced in next week's Volume 6. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. I will see you right back after this song. Come out, come out wherever you are and meet the young lady who fell from a star. She fell from 
She brings you good news, or haven't you heard? When she fell out of Kansas, a miracle occurred. It really was no miracle. What happened was just this. The wind began to switch, the house to pitch, and suddenly the hinges started to unhitch. Just then, a witch yes. to satisfy an itch yes. was flying on a broomstick, thumbing for a hitch. And oh, what happened then was rich. Yes, the house began to pitch and the kitchen took a slitch. Yes. It landed on the wicked witch in the middle of a ditch, which was not a healthy situation for a wicked witch. The house began to pitch, uh -oh. the kitchen took a switch. Physically, positively, absolutely, undeniably, and reliably dead. As coroner, I must ever, I've thoroughly examined her, and she's not only merely dead, she's really most sincerely dead. Her
wish to welcome you to Munchkin Land. Stand back! Lollipop's coming through! That was from, oh, sorry, microphone glitch there. That was from uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical version of The Wizard of Oz. Well, you're listening to 106.9 Tune FM's Anthology, Season 2, Volume 5, and we've uh, decided to do something a little bit fun and also a little bit exciting. We are hosting the Anth Awards. Now, what these are is a series of awards. It's essentially our listeners' choice awards for what the best theatre was in 2019 in Armidale. We have four categories. The categories are most creative original production. Now, this category uh, recognises a production that was put together by those who put it on here in Armidale. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, an original source material. It's just an original production. So not a production of, say, a musical or a uh, play that they've bought the rights for. Um, and it is it rec- recognizes creativity uh, from a writing and uh, dramaturgical perspective. We have best UNE production. Uh, so this this encompasses um, all productions put on as part of UNE, whether that's uh, academically or through groups like the Friends of Theatre Society. Uh, we have the best play. So outside of UNE, the best uh, play put on in Armadale. And, of course, the best musical. So, again, outside of UNE. We have three nominees in each category. And we have just published on our um, our Facebook page how you can vote for your nominees. So, drumroll, please, because the nominees for most creative original production are the following. Dangerous Women, put on by Eva Howitt for her uh, UNE Honours Project. Uh the 1966 Batman reading put on by Andrew O'Connell, Joby Strike, and Alex Evans at the Welder's Dog. And Jack and the Beanstalk, which was adapted and put on by High Country Theatre's Gordon Cope. So those are the nominees for Most Creative Original Production. Now, as I mentioned, uh, as we can see, all of those have inspiration from non-original sources, but they are original uh, in themselves. The productions themselves were original. Uh, Best UNE production, the three nominees are Dangerous Women, written and directed by Eva Howitt. Some Explicit Polaroids, written by Mark Ravenhill and directed by Tyrone Cross with Friends of Theatre Society. And Blackrock, written by Nick Enright and directed by Lisa Goldzier as the Thea 202 and 302 production for the year. So those were the three nominees for Best UNE production. The three nominees for Best Play... Uh, Inheritance, written by Hanny Rayson and directed by Jean Freer with Armadale Drama and Musical Society. I Am My Own Wife, written by Doug Wright and directed by Mark Daly with Tamworth Dramatic Society, which toured to Armadale earlier in the year. And Jack and the Beanstalk, written and directed by Gordon Cope with High Country Theatre. And lastly, the best musical category. The three nominees are Singing in the Rain, done by Armadale Drama and Musical Society. Uh, Oliver, put on by the Armadale School, 
and Matilda put on by PLC Armadale. So there is a link up on our Facebook page. You can cast your votes now. You do need to cast your votes in order of your preference, one, two, and three. Uh, that is because if it does come down to a tie, preferential voting will decide it. So once again, just quickly going through, the nominees are Most Creative Original Production, Dangerous Women, Batman, or Jack and the Beanstalk. Best UNE Production, Dangerous Women, Some Explicit Polaroids, or Blackrock. Uh, best Play, Inheritance, I Am My Own Wife, or Jack and the Beanstalk and Best Musical, Singing in the Rain, Oliver or Matilda. Now do cast your votes very quickly because as it is, uh, next episode will be on Christmas Eve, um, we will be recording that in advance due to some scheduling conflicts that are obviously there. So you don't necessarily have the whole week to decide. We will be recording that episode before the end of this week. So get onto our Facebook page right now, the Theatre on Tune FM 106.9 uh, Facebook page. There is a post up there with a link to the survey where you can cast your votes and we will announce the winners in next week's volume six. Well, it's been a slightly shortened version of Anthology this time around, but hopefully uh, when you uh, we will have a very exciting episode uh, next week as we announce the winners of the Anth Awards and uh, play some Christmas music as we hype you up for Christmas Day in the last hours of the 24th of December next week. Uh, to give you a bit of pre a preview of what we have in store, as well as the announcement of the winners of the Anth Awards. We'll be talking about six. We'll be talking about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We will be, uh, Ben and I will be reviewing Knives Out and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And there will be plenty more as well. Um, with lots of Christmas music, of course. Don't miss out on that. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. It's been a pleasure to be here with you as always. We will go out with our usual banger of a song. And uh, I am not good at uh, getting songs to work before I meant to. They always... There we go. I'm good at stalling for time. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. I hope you have a wonderful night. This has been Anthology Season 2, Volume 5. I promise they will be getting more exciting uh, as we come into the new year and we have plenty of wonderful theatre to hype up for you. But it's all just dying down. I'm not really getting guests in because I don't want to bother them for their Christmas holidays. So I figure we'll just have some relaxed episodes and uh, and see out the year. Don't forget to cast your votes for the Anth Awards. Uh, vote for all four categories. You have an opportunity to, to um, put in an honourable mention as well if you think there's anything that we've missed and we'll mention that on the show. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM and here's a song. Because I don't know how All of my friends have good jobs Houses, pensions, and stocks But moving on is an achievement I can't seem to unlock My clothes are all arranged in a giant pile I think my cat is dead in there Cause I ain't seen him a while We're closed four days in a row Smoke cigarettes in the shower When I was a kid by now I thought I'd work at Nintendo Power If you invite me out to something I'm probably gonna pass Tonight is a high school reunion of my senior class They're all talking about their children, wives, and career paths While I'm at home high as hell Making dick castles in Minecraft this beauty, the Wang Trade Center. It gets hit by penis planes on the level of the Schlong Timber. And never forget, better yet, always remember, not a single penis plane hit Tallywhacker 7 ever. Jizz fuel cannot melt steel boners, but insurance paid off double to their builder balls owner. I know that was a sophomoric rhyme, but that is not all that I'm doing with the 
miles so run a forum for hentai of land before time this is little foot and ducky engaged in a 69 but it's embarrassing to be this age and still start to sweat when someone has to use your laptop for the internet here we go this game is called autofill russian roulette and there's only three safe letters in the alphabet left oh god please don't let them type a y or a p or an x or an r or a t or a b yo on second thought hey give that laptop back to me angle the screen and discreetly click reset history myself taco bell four times a week i don't do this for my health but i cannot eat at home because it always makes me nauseous brita filter ain't been changed since w was still in office yeah take two to streets we running all this donuts in the parking lot down at where the new mall so why you sit and watch tv with your dumb wife and dumb baby i'm out there bombing the city and got the whole squad with me yeah squad's pretty much just raul he speak english know that good but he still seems pretty cool he doesn't know it but he's probably like my closest friend he lets me read magazines without having to buy a gas station to get out some cash in it salad sandwich standing over the trash got so much garbage in the car that i can't see out the back my entire grocery list is just liquor and snacks every day when i wake up i eat a bag of sour worms every day when i wake up